Hello and welcome to Really Well Women with me, clinical somatic educator Heidi Hadley and naturopathic doctor Sarah Wilson. Really Well Women is here to educate, empower and enhance the health and well-being of women who have many demands and yet they want to take care of themselves from the inside out. Enjoy our podcast as we delve into all areas of health and well-being. So are you ready to find out more? Let's get started. Welcome back. Today, we are going to talk about an area that Heidi and I are both super passionate about, and that is protecting brain health as we transition through life. And this is going to come up in so many ways, and the understanding of brain health has changed so dramatically in the last decade. Um, We now understand so, so much more about what's going on up in there, but I think the thing we all love about brain health is that we'll never know what's going on up in there. There's so, it's such a mystery, uh, which is just, it's an area that we're both so passionate about. So today we're going to talk about different areas of brain health, what affects them. And then we're also going to talk about transitioning hormones and your brain, because I can tell you 90% of the questions I get have to do with, I'm not thinking properly. My memory's not there. I have brain fog. What's happening? Why don't I feel like myself? Why is my mood off? And it's almost always correlated with some kind of transition, which is so fascinating. So we're going to get into all of that and so much more today. Brilliant. And I thought as the definition queen, um, is there any chance, if you don't mind me doing this, I just want the listener to understand what uh, neurogenesis is and what epigenetics is, because they're two things that we're going to be talking about a lot. And sometimes when we talk about these things, we jump into those expressions, but it's just letting the, the listener understand deeply what we're talking about. So And I'm also going to bring in another thing as well called bioplasticity and neuroplasticity. Sorry, guys. There we go. The ideas are flowing again. And personally, (laughs) I would like if you all started hashtagging Heidi, (laughs) definition queen, that would make my life (laughs) as a reference. (laughs) Well, the thing is, um, if I start with the fact that the scientists are now realizing that we are bioplastic, so, and we've also got this neuroplasticity. So what they're realizing is that our bodies are constantly adapting and changing all the time thanks to all the scientific research out there and really neuroplasticity is the same thing they at one time they used to think that our brain was hardwired but now they're realizing that it's adapting and it's a it's changing according to the environment that we're in and so that's where it starts to flow into first of all if we consider neurogenesis neurogenesis is basically the process of we, what we want to do as we transition through our, our different stages in life is to try and keep that youthful brain as much as possible because epigen- uh, sorry, uh, neurogenesis is the creation of new brain cells. So if you think about it, what do we want to do as we grow and as we start to age is we want to keep generating those new beautiful brain cells. And added to that, we want to create this plasticity. So the neuroplasticity that comes with it. So we create these brain cells, but then by doing certain actions and behaviors, we can keep these cells, these brain cells connecting together with these synapses. These are the connections which are telling us to to create actions and movements. If we do something on a regular basis, we've got a very deeply ingrained synapse Think about when you learn to ride a bike. It's really awkward to begin with when you're a child. You're wobbling all over the place. And then after a while, it becomes second nature. 
And that's because those pathways in our brain, those synapses have become very deeply ingrained in that habit, in that behavior. So it could be 20 years ago that you, got, you were on the last on the bike and then you get on the bike again and like, like instantly you're on the bike and you, those synapses will fire up again because we've conditioned it, because we've created that. So we've got that side of things, the creation of new brain cells and adding the plasticity. But then we've also got epigenetics. And that's what we find so exciting, isn't it? Because with epigenetics, it's basically um, what we're now seeing is uh, where, you know, again, we used to be told that if you've got a certain hereditary disposition, that's it. You're using the expression, you're doomed. You know, that's what you've got for the rest of your life. But because of that bioplasticity, how we're adapting and how we're changing, they're now starting to see that actually the, the genome, the epigenome, which is um, within, the, within our cells, they have a constant dialogue with the outside world. You know, so the genes will either switch on or switch off and create a chronic health condition, for instance, or not, depending on our lifestyle. So it could be on our diet, it could be on alcohol, chemical exposure, medication, all those things change our genetic makeup to either switch a gene on or switch a gene off, which could mean it sets off a chronic illness or we could slow down and stop that from happening. And it's, it's such an area that I'm passionate about working with women's health and especially working with preconception health is like just a deep passion of mine because it's an area that we have so much opportunity to make changes in the future of our children's health. And I think there's something not only with brain health, because there's a lot of fear around brain health and aging, but there's also a lot of fear about the exposures that we currently have and the impacts of that on future generations. So epigenetics is an area that I really like to empower people about, not only because you can choose for yourself to make changes that are going to have a dramatic impact on your genetic health incomes, but also because we can know that we can use nutrients and nutri like nutrients from supplements or plants or whatever and make such a dramatic impact on the health of our children. So it's it's an area that can be incredibly empowering in a world that can feel very that you can feel a victim in, to be completely honest. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that we're so passionate about is that education and that empowering people to enhance their health, really. Because when people realize that actually we can change, we can adapt and create that empowering thought, people know that they can make changes and it's not a false hope. You know, we are being realistic that, you know, there are some very strong genetic imprints that get followed down through generations, but there are things that we can do. Um, and you mentioned about like um, babies and children and that sort of thing. And I'm, I'm often using this when I talk to people about epigenetics is that epigenetics is also um, influenced by our social experiences. And uh, there's so many research on rats and mice, poor little things. I mean, the stuff that they have to endure on these research is awful. But there was some research connecting epigenetics and social experiences with mother rats. And they put these rats, these mother rats, um, in the same area as their baby rats. But they got the mother rats to divert their attention to something else. And so what it did with these poor baby rats is that the genes within the babies, um, actually, they 
they it triggered off like a stress response it turned um it basically turned on that all the stress elements within their little genes um because they weren't getting that nurturing and that caring side of things and so you can see how even those social experiences um have a huge impact which is why when we extract that and as you say consider the generational impacts mm -hmm. we can then see that we are bioplastic so we can change these things so when you hear this please don't be disheartened but you know there are strong imprints that get passed along that genetic code through generations they do survive and it could be your mom or dad's experience as a child or it could be the choice that your mom or your dad did as an adult that basically has shaped the epigenome that you have at the moment which is within that genetic coding within your dna but you can, because of the outside environment, you can change that genetic coding. So instead of a gene firing off and creating something that's quite prevalent in your family, maybe an inflammatory bowel issue or whatever it is, there are things that you can do to stop that gene from switching on by keeping it switched off, by looking at your lifestyle factors, looking at mindset, mindfulness practice, as we said, avoiding contaminants, a balanced diet, a good balanced healthy lifestyle just general things so that's why it is a strong imprint but we can change things and when it comes to brain health specifically we know that there are a lot of nutrients that have really positive impacts so um if just talking in the context of alzheimer's that's something that a lot of people do have a fear about we know that nutrients like b12 um the phytochemicals from things like blueberries and green tea resveratrol um, these different components do have positive impacts and there's a book um called the end of alzheimer's it's i think his name is dale bradison it's fantastic i recommend it to every single one of my patients who has a really strong family history of alzheimer's and who has a fear surrounding it because it's really empowering showing you that infections nutrient deficiencies what you're eating insulin i talk all the time about blood sugar regulation but alzheimer's is being called type 3 diabetes all yeah, of these yeah. things have such dramatic impacts on our brain health and the plasticity of our brain and the way our brain can work um, and i think in the next generation i think they're going to laugh at us that we think a lot of these things are not reversible I truly I hope that's the case, but I truly think that things are going to move so far and there's going to be so much of an education and so much of empowerment with knowledge and with the option to engage in these things that they're going to find it entertaining um, that we were so worried about all of these things that now are reversible. Yeah, and I'd like to add on to that because when you talk about Alzheimer's, the area that's heavily impacted with Alzheimer's is the hippocampus. And we've, we've learned, I think we've talked about this in the past, how um, we can consolidate information from short-term memory to long-term memory here. That's where that is all happening. And the hippocampus is regulating our motivation, our emotions, and our learning. And it's that area that is heavily impacted. It becomes very vulnerable in Alzheimer's. Uh, and that's where there are changes and there's an alter it alters the neurogenesis actually alters within the hippocampus um, and that's the area that when they look in neuroscience they're starting to use that information from the neurogenesis aspect in the hippocampus to find those early signs of alzheimer's um, but what these scientists have been saying is that interestingly enough neurogenesis 
uh, as a whole will slow down at around the ages of 30 and 35 years. But because we know of neurogenesis, epigenetics, bioplasticity, neuroplasticity, you know, all these brilliant uh, processes, we can continue to grow new brain cells. We can increase the rate of brain cell production at any rate or any age, should I say. Um, and it's just there are many factors that can either help or hinder us. It's kind of knowing what those factors are. But, you know, it, you are right that future generations will laugh and go, what were they thinking? Because mm -hmm. we're already really realizing, like in the world of somatics, that the, we use the expression, the myth of aging. We know that it's actually from poor posture and habit and, you know, doing things on a regular basis, your brain changes structure and position to what you do on a regular basis. And it's the same with, there's a myth that aging makes us frail. And it's not, that's far from the case because um, we can see older ones that some of them look really youthful, really athletic, and other people are less so. And it kind of looks at, we look and consider their epigenetics there. What's been their exposure over the years to, to chemicals, to mindset aspects, to their lifestyle? Um, because there's so much research out there now talking about that learning and remembering movement is the most powerful way to keep the brain um, active. You know, you've got all these Sudoku and things like that, but yeah. the scientists are saying that actually that doesn't change much plasticity wise. It's going to make you really good at Sudoku and things like that. But in actually to create proper neurogenesis, it's the learning and the choreography, remembering movement. That's the most important um, area because we're having to challenge ourselves. We're having to recall information. And remember the hippocampus is where the short-term, long-term memory aspects are. That's what we're trying to keep working on to help with things such as um, Alzheimer's, the prevention of Alzheimer's. And so if we keep thinking of the growth side of things, of increasing the size of our hippocampus and reducing the stress aspects within our brain by doing, say, mindful movement, bringing that breathing into it, recalling the movements um, so there's a proper choreography there, it's creating constant brain rehearsals. It's exciting the brain all the time. And in, in science, neuroscience, they talk about something called neurodifferentiation, um, and that's where we're just spicing it up for the brain. We're changing things for the brain all the time because I'm sure we've all been in a situation that we can do something so automatically every day, brush our teeth, drive to work, and we don't even realize that we've done it because part of your brain will go into the subconscious, the automatic bit. Whereas we want to keep very conscious. We want to be very aware of our posture, how we're walking, how we're moving, how we're breathing, what we're thinking. All these things will really help with the neurogenesis to keep things fresh and alive. And that ties perfectly into what we're going to discuss with hormones after the break, because the hippocampus is a huge area of the brain that is affected by our hormones. And again, can relate to why we feel differently at different parts of our life and cycle. So that's what we're. Do you feel that tight muscles are affecting your movement and posture? Do you feel that you have recurring pain or injuries? Would you like to know how to reduce pain, improve your posture, increase your mobility, and develop mindfulness? Allow me to teach you the total somatics approach to health and wellness within my online program. In the comfort of your own home and at a time that suits you, we can start creating healthy changes. 
To learn more, go to totalsomatics.com. Welcome back. Now, just before the break, we were talking about epigenetics, neurogenesis, neuroplasticity, and bioplasticity. So we looked at the, how important that is to us as we go through different stages of our life. But what we're going to do now is I'm going to hand over to Sarah, because I'd really like you to, if you could, Sarah, elaborate on this further and look at how hormones and how hormones transition and change through our life and the impact that has on our brain health, for instance. So could you take it away, please? <laughs> Absolutely. I could go on hormones all day long. This is where I have to rein myself in. <laughs> but we've done previous episodes talking about how hormones change within the cycle. Um, and we are also doing episodes on how hormones change after pregnancy and how hormones change during perimenopause. So I thought this was a great way to wrap it all up to understand how your brain is so dramatically impacted by these things. And so what we know is that hormones, estrogen is a really important one actually when we are looking at brain health. So estrogen has a lot of different functions, but when it comes to aging and changes along that lines, cognitive impairment and age-related memory changes are dramatically impacted by low levels of estrogen. We know that this is because it changes inflammation in the brain. It changes something called BDNF, um, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which is involved in keeping those neurons healthy. So we were just talking about how important it is to make these things, but then we have to keep them really healthy and we have to keep them developing. So estrogen is really involved in that. And it affects the hippocampus, which is what we were talking about. So I can't count the number of women that I've had going through perimenopause feeling like they can't get their words out. That's such a huge one. They're like, it's up here. It's in my brain, but it won't come out my mouth. And so that's something that can really be dramatically impacted by perimenopause. But really interestingly enough, there was a study that was done that showed during the luteal phase, so when there's really high levels of estrogen and progesterone, verbal articulation is improved, whereas spatial ability is decreased. And the exact opposite was seen in the follicular phase, which is so, it's so cool to me. I love studies like this, where they look at the differences in women's hormones throughout the cycle. Because if you think about that, so say you are struggling with hormonal balance and you're not in perimenopause, those imbalances between those hormones are going to have a huge impact on your performance in your day-to-day job. It's going to have a huge impact on your memory and cognition, but it also is going to have a really big impact on your anxiety and your mood. So anxiety is directly related to progesterone levels, less so estrogen, um, but estrogen levels and how they change throughout perimenopause, puberty, and after you have a baby is what directly can lead to changes in mood. So they've been correlated with depression and other mood disorders, which is just, it's so fascinating because it's also really empowering to women going through this period of time. I don't know about you, but I see so many women who feel like this is their destiny. They're just getting older. I use that in quotes because I hear it in 21 year olds and I'm like, (laughs) makes me so mad because these things can be changed and improved. They can. And I think that's it because it's, again, we're coming back to the fact that if you educate people, you're going to empower them. And then they realize that they're not trapped. And they, and this is why we've created really well women. We want to bring these subjects out because I've been talking to others in, you know, over the years and they'll say things, well, you know, they've said things such as when they've been going through the menopause, how, 
one of them, and she was being very serious. This isn't a joke. She said her husband had to hide the knives in the kitchen because she was so angry at times she'd pull a knife out at him. Mm -hmm. That's, and she just said it felt like I was being taken over by something, mm. you know, and then you've got other people that have said to me that they just get so angry and they've only felt so angry since their menopause. Mm -hmm. um, and there's all these different things. And it's a bit like when we have children, there are things that we go through and in actual fact, nobody talks about them. Um, and yeah. you think, am I on my own here? Yeah. Uh, and you start to think, am I failing as a mother or am I going to, you know, if we're getting to the menopause, and things such as the hippocampus are getting affected because of hormonal changes and all th sorts of things. We start thinking, my mother, she had dementia. Am I getting dementia? You know, and the fear mm. comes in. And then as we've learned before, stress will start to create a bigger um, action within the stress response. And it shuts down all those, you know, the areas of executive function, the, the thought processes, the emotional intelligence, the focus and the concentration. So you're right, Sarah, it, it's, it's really important that of all age groups, we realize that actually we're all in this together. And that's why it's so good to have a platform to be able to show people that you're not on your own. And cortisol has a dramatic impact on the hippocampus as well. Do you talk about that stress? So it's a, it's this really nasty cycle. Yeah. Women going through perimenopause are more sensitive to stress. So stress can trigger memory issues. Stress can trigger hot flashes. It can trigger mood changes in a more dramatic way than women with kind of more robust hormone levels, shall we say. And so you get stressed and then your brain is more affected, and then your your brain is affected, so then you get more stressed, and then the estrogen comes in and fluctuates throughout the day, so your hormones are all over the place, you're not feeling great, and so it is, it's a really sensitive moment in time, and I think that's also why it's really important to educate women that blood sugar balance, the nutrients that you're eating, using whatever hormonal support you want to, whether that is herbs, whether, like we don't have to suffer. We spend more than half of our lives without hormones. Mm. I personally don't want to do that, right? I love a phytoestrogen <laughs> in terms of using these nutrients and using these plants to change our hormones. And it happened twice for me last week, which I thought was just hilarious, but I had patients who were really struggling with perimenopause, the mental, emotional piece of it, um, how like feeling like they would fly off the handle, but then also tons of hot flashes, not sleeping, which of course makes cognition worse and is bad for brain health. Mm -hmm. um, and I gave them herbs that are extracted in alcohol. That's this formula that I use. And I saw them a couple weeks later and both of them were just like, I don't know why, but I'm thinking clear. My mood's great. And my hot flashes are gone. And I'm like, I wonder why people are always so surprised at the massive yeah. impact that nutrients, blood sugar balance, and a little bit of herbs can have on hormone levels. And I'm sure, can't you see with this? I mean, you can see it, but I mean, the listener, can you see how resilient and how amazing our mind and our body are? You know, how they are. They, they keep adapting it and they change. And if we give them what they need, which is the good nutrition, which is that, you know, we talk so importantly about having a good bit of headspace and looking at our mindful practice and our mindset and creating movement so that we keep our body flowing and moving freely. Can you see that very quickly our amazing mind and body will change and adapt according to all this? Um, and I was just thinking, Sarah, you know, we've talked before about the, because uh, I often say to people, uh, eat and live 
you know, p- focusing on good gut health. Mm-hmm. And would you say that that's, that's really important because remember we said that the gut is like the second brain. Mm-hmm. And so you think the connection between the brain and the gut, um, how, how vital it is because everything that we consume and even our management of stress it's directly impacting on our gut again, isn't it? And the amount of absorption that we're getting. Um, so yeah, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Oh, a hundred percent. And it's also, we know that for example, estrogen has a really dramatic impact on how neurotransmission and neurons work together and how neurotransmitters, which are those brain chemicals talk. And so we also know that inflammation does that. So if you have inflammation and a huge source of inflammation is our gut, because 60 to 80% of our immune system sits in our gut. If you have immune inflammation there, that's affecting your brain already. And then you go into a period where your hormones are changing. It's going to be that much worse. Um, so gut health is just absolutely imperative. And it's funny enough, a lot of the things that we use for brain health are actually changing the gut microbiome. So for example, we know that the polyphenols that are in blueberries, the antioxidant properties they have are exerting a huge function on increasing good types of bacteria in the gut. Things like turmeric that we use for inflammation. We actually know that the gut microbiota, the changes that are happening within that is what exerts the anti-inflammatory function. Um, There's all kinds of examples of this where it's like, okay, we actually need a healthy gut in order to get any of the benefits of these things. Yeah. And can I just add into something about that? Um, Because of thinking of hormones and addictions and things like that. Um, Because uh, sometimes we might want to have a coffee. (laughs) And caffeine has actually been known to reduce um, neurogenesis and impair memory. And when we're talking again about... That's not what I want to hear right now. Zero percent of me is interested in this conversation. We're done here. (laughs) (laughs) But because it's impairing the memory, isn't it? We're looking at how can we keep generating that neurogenesis to keep things such as the hippocampus healthy um, and also to stop the um, the cortisol you know and thinking of the stress response so I'm weaving in the hormones again Sarah the story I'm telling myself is that there are a lot of studies that show that there is positive impacts of coffee on brain health and that is what I'm choosing to see and I'm going to choose to ignore everything you just said because I love coffee I drink half-calf I really honor that decision in my body. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but there's so many people who are like, don't you dare take my coffee. You I have know, taken my sugar. You have I taken know. my, <laughs> my I and I, and, my and I can feel, I can feel the daggers out on me at this point. And I just, it's just really giving you a thought here. Cause obviously whatever you want to do, you can love me, everyone. Heidi is the bad one in this relationship. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the thing is they've said that um, how quickly the science is showing again that how quickly within a very short amount of time when we cut caffeine out, how the rate of neurogenesis just spikes it's really good and as regards memory it's a little bit of a uh, an illusion to think that the caffeine is stimulating and helping memory because it's not actually it's it's having the the reverse effect so it's um so i'm so sorry guys to put that i'm gonna take my phosphatidylcholine it is a fantastic (laughs) component that helps with brain health and i am going to happily sip my morning cup of joe and everyone can hashtag team sarah on we can't fight with research (laughs) but the the other bit of research is that green tea is very good for neurogenesis there's caffeine in that so explain that to me i know (laughs) it's because it's kind of a smaller amount and it's a slower releasing and uh it's the research is showing that it spikes brain cell production (laughs) 
<laughs> but should we just come off that subject? <laughs> uh, well, why don't we just wrap this up with a little book? Okay. So Heidi's takeaway is ruin everyone's life. Don't do anything fun. No coffee oh. for you. No, no, I'm joking. Uh, what, <laughs> what are your takeaways, my dear, from well, this lovely brain I, health episode? I think they may be changing as I say them. <laughs> but I think what we want to remember, first of all, is that everything that we have is not set in stone our brain health our genetic coding what we have we can move and we can change all the time a bit like we've talked in the past about growth mindset our body is constantly growing and developing so whatever we expose our our mind and our body to our genes and our nerve cells will um, replicate and they'll grow and then mold into the environment that we we create basically Um, and it's also um, looking at long-term actions what can we do that will stimulate neurogenesis so it's really important to look at such as the cerebellum which is the area of the brain which is all to do with coordination and movement and that's really important to work with your hippocampus and those two areas have been shown that when we keep them really active and alive um, that helps to keep a very healthy young brain and so the key thing there is creating a regular movement practice and that's something that we're recalling choreography and movement and we're differentiating remember we're spicing it up for the brain so we're changing things all the time so that the brain is curious and always observing new things so that we keep that that brain cell production going and then finally i'll i'll say let's go for more green tea because of what we were just talking about before (laughs) or water (laughs) (laughs) is the the party police here (laughs) exactly (laughs) And from my side of the coin, my takeaways, I love the takeaway of the fact that everything is plastic and changeable because like I said, I have 21 year olds in my office who are being told they're aging and that is not the case. And just like that person can get right back on track. So can you at any age, there is no program that you are set to follow. It is truly what you create that is going to be what comes out of your life. Um, that's that's a huge takeaway for me. The other one is that hormones have a really dramatic impact. And we didn't talk about this too much, but a lot of women spend most of their hormonal years on hormonal contraceptives. It's not good or bad or otherwise, but we need to make empowered decisions about whether you're feeling good on it or not, whether your mood is good, whether your cognition is good, whether you're living your fullest life, because hormones have a really dramatic impact on the way we think and function. And I think we also, I see in my office, we believe that all of the crazy hormonal issues we talked about in hormonal chaos are normal. We believe that we have to suffer with gut inflammation. We believe that we have to suffer with PMS that can be debilitating with period cramps, with fertility struggles. And that's not the case. We can truly make changes in this area and it's going to positively impact our aging process is going to positively impact our cognition later on. And so really just stepping into your power with that and realizing that something's off and making a change is a huge takeaway for me. The final one is you cannot ignore foundation. All the foundational aspects of health, movement, mindset, eating for blood sugar balance, reducing inflammation, focusing on gut health, 
all of these things have a dramatic impact on our brain. And so it's about taking one teeny tiny step in each different area to make massive changes like cumulatively in your health. So really just, we're giving you a ton of information. Try not to feel overwhelmed. Pick one thing that you feel like you can do tomorrow and take action on it. And I think that's the thing is with really well women, we want it, we, we keep saying this and you've just mentioned it again, is it's the education. When we've got that knowledge, when we're educated, we can then become more objective. We can stand back, not get anxious and stressed. And we can start to collect that information and start to create more of a proactive measure. And I think that's where it'd be really nice to tie this together, Sarah, because this whole season so far, We've given a lot of material. We've got, a, it's been a lot, quite a meaty podcast series because we've wanted to get a lot of information out there. But we've decided to choose that the final episode for this season that we're going to look at next is how we can prioritize our health, how we can look and create proactive measures. And all the information we've learned through this, this season, let's break it down so that instead of it just being a ton of information, we can break it down, create proactive measures so that we can move forward with here, whatever area, whatever time we are in our life. 1000%. And I cannot wait to bring that to you guys. And again, just get the juices flowing. What are the areas I want to work on? Because we are going to help you implement all of that. Fantastic. See you all next time. Take care, guys. Thank you for joining us today. To learn more, go to reallywellwomen.com and connect with us. Also spread the word so we can increase the feeling of really well women all around the world. So until next time, take care.